Welcome to Elemento Talks, the podcast that connects marketing, design, and development experts to help you build better websites. Iris Shur is a serial entrepreneur with rich experience in the startup scene. After the establishment of two successful companies, she is currently the founder and CEO of her third startup, Oribi. In our podcast, she talks about making analytics simple, explains how you can stand out with your product by creating a memorable design, and questions the effectiveness of company blogs in 2019. Hello, Elementors. Welcome to another episode of Elementor Talks. And with me is, as always, Matan. Hi, Matan. Hi, Ben. How's how it going? You? I'm good. So today we have a special guest, Iris Shur. And uh, Iris is a serial founder of several startups that have been sold and uh, a startup that she's now working on, which is Oribi. Hi, Iris. Hi, how are you? Great. I, I have to share that uh, before we launched Elementor, you were a huge influence on me personally because I was uh, listening to uh, a podcast that you were interviewed uh, in and I just found your approach to marketing and uh, the combination of being data-driven on the one hand but still maintaining the, the creative side really inspiring for how I did uh, marketing. So... <laughs> thanks okay so thank you so much uh, so let's uh, look back can you share a bit about your journey how it all got started uh, you, you started in learning architecture in, in uh, Bezalel in Jerusalem so. yeah okay so it's a long journey but I'll try to keep the, the story short I studied architecture it was my childhood dream I was always uh, sure that I'm going to become a successful architect and then uh, when I was just about to graduate I decided that this is not for me And I wasn't sure what to do with my life. And uh, all my friends from the military service started their startups. And it seemed something like very easy, very glowing. They're all like raising money. And they decided to, together with two co-founders, to start their own company. And it wasn't glowing. It wasn't easy. It took us like almost two years to, to raise money. Uh, but it still was a very good decision. And the first startup was actually about architecture, like the word that I came from, and it was about how to take uh, drawings and 3D models to the mobile and the web. And it was a very interesting time because mobile just started, and it was when the App Store was just launched. So the marketing was completely different than it is today, much more naive. And uh, the company was very successful, it was acquired, and then I moved on to my second company, which was very, very techy, um, a tool for DevOps and developers. I think that was the first time that uh, I understood how much, it is, how much important it is to be creative with marketing. And when you're working on a very boring uh, product, you need to have some spice in it and use the very interesting language of illustrations and lots of creative stuff and were able to get to great audience with it. Yeah, and, these, are, uh, these are the lovely monster illustrations that yeah. people remember it for. And yeah, it, it exactly. was great. Like, uh, uh, I think for a, a product that dealt with, uh, was oriented towards developers, it wasn't uh, the natural inclination to use uh, illustrations. How, how yeah. did you come up with it? Well, actually, it took me, like, when I just started working on the, on the brand and the, the website and the product, I just realized that we're like yet another developer's tool. And of course that we had like different technology and the product was much better, but like from a marketing perspective, 
it was very boring and very gray. And I decided that uh, I really need to do something that will stand out and something that we, people will remember. And I think something that is very important about marketing is that if people need to see your brand a few times before they relate to it or before they sign up, then you have to make them remember it. And if you're going to have like a very accurate logo with the right font and the right color, it's not enough. People are not going to remember it. So I decided to go like all in and uh, go a bit crazy, have like funny illustrations and the uh, developer's jokes. And uh, it even got to a place that like we send like this uh, series of like uh, greeting cards to developers. Like we hope that uh, this Christmas the servers will not go down <laughs> and like actual cards with the illustrations and something that they could share with other developers and uh, like door signs of like don't enter I'm debugging now with funny illustrations and uh, and so on so it was mainly about like standing out and doing something different what was your background by the way is it from a programming or marketing because it sounds like you dealt with marketing side yeah branding yeah so it's it's all over um but I came with like, as I mentioned, site architecture, I started working on products. And I have to say that at first, I always thought that I'm never going to do marketing because for me, it was all about like native speakers that uh, are able to like pinpoint the right uh, messaging and it's all about writing texts. And uh, that was never me. And, um, and it took me a while to understand that it's all about like building the right approach and about the creative and about measuring everything. And that uh, writing the best like headline is like a very, very small part of marketing. So your development uh, as a person in charge of marketing for, for that startup came at the mm-hmm. same time of your development as a writer and as a lecturer. So how did all of this come at the same, was it at the same time? Yeah, around the same time. I think that's the beauty about startups, and that's probably the thing that uh, I like and hate most about my job, is that uh, like every week and every month, you're pushed to do something new, and if you, even if you don't want to do it. And when I started working on marketing, it was just because we, we didn't manage to market the product, and the marketing team didn't de- deliver it well enough, And so I just came up with some suggestions and Jen and I built all the analytics and then I started building some more stuff. And it was never about me like making a decision that now I'm going to run the marketing. And then I think that's the same for like all the other stuff, like starting to write. And even like these days, even though I'm being, I've been like a founder for over 12 years. Mm-hmm. So every month I'm studying something new and now like studying sales much better. The past couple of months so did, did you have an influence like a book or, or a, a lecture or someone who inspired you there were some but I can't say that there was like one person or book that really inspired me is there any connection between those because uh, you had previously you had two startups you sold them mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, now you have uh, the third startup already as we mentioned and this is about analytics or mm-hmm. making analytics for marketers something uh, simpler right something that they can deal with and they they don't have to shy away from or to be scared can you tell us about that yeah how um, did you arrive to this uh, idea yeah. so I have to say that uh, 
ideas that I find always like most uh, influencing and most intriguing to build are not like reinventing the wheel and doing something completely new out of scratch, but it's taking something that people hate today and is very complex and no one wants to deal with it and make it, making it something that people really love. And uh, for me also, like when I look at the, like the large companies, I think that most of them, even companies like Google, for example, they didn't invent something completely new. It was all about taking something that people need but uh, doesn't work well today and simplifying it. Mm-hmm. And basically, you need to have all the technology behind. But it's mainly about, for me, it's mainly about the product experience. And so it was very clear to me that this is what I want to do with my new company. And uh, I decided to go after like analytics and data because I think that today that's something that people really hate. So there are lots of amazing companies, but they're all targeting like the enterprise companies and they're all based on the company having like uh, a BI team, a lot of resources and some developers that uh, will do all the integrations and uh, lots of budget. And uh, I feel that today it's small and medium uh, businesses, but also like you can also see it within enterprise companies that many of them are underserved or part of the organizations. They don't have any way to, to ask the most trivial questions, like what lead people to sign up? And uh, why do I have so much traffic, but so many, so little conversions? And uh, how do I convert more users? So these are like very, very basic questions that everybody asks. But to build this analytics tool today and to get an answer is something very, very complex. And uh, I also feel that the entire approach of like delivering more and more data and more reports and more dashboards, it's something that people don't know what to do with. So all the tools today are focused about like more and more data and more reports and uh, fancy dashboards. And I feel that people don't want to, they don't interested in the data. They just want to, to have like the bottom line and to know what to do and what's working and what doesn't work. And uh, the shorter and simpler they're going to get it, the better. So you're contending with, uh, with big guns like uh, Google Analytics and, uh, you know, uh, so how, what kind of advantage do you think, because we're, we're on, the, on the same pool, we're uh, rather still a small company dealing with uh, giants uh, like uh, Adobe and other companies. What kind of tools and advantages do you see uh, with a small startup that is um, more lean and agile maybe? Um, I think that Google Analytics became a monster. And uh, that's how most people see it. So it's so complex. You, you can probably do everything with it, but 99% of the people don't know how to do it. And they think it will be very hard for Google to take Google Analytics and to simplify it, since it's so complex. So we're trying to take a completely different approach and to build like everything from scratch, like the way analytics should be and to have everything uh, lean and clean and uh, not related on developers. And that's a big difference. I heard uh, in another interview that uh, you had, or was it perhaps the, uh, the, your lecture, that you changed the design really drastically. You went from a native uh, African uh, type of design to, to geometric shapes and then to, to people. So what was the process like? and just as as articulate as you can describe, like how did every process uh, 
uh, happened that you decided, let's try this, let's change this? I mentioned before that I really love working with like, like simplifying tools and high scale and working with lots of users. Um, I think I really like it for, for two reasons. The first one is that I really want to make an influence and to reach as many people as possible. And the second one is that I think this is the best way to create a product with a real value. So it's not uh, about having like 10 huge customers and uh, following their needs, but it's more about like working with thousands and tens of thousands and even more customers and see what they need and what they react to and what kind of features they work with. So for me, they are like the ultimate uh, product managers. And uh, when I started OVB, I shared with you before that they had a very good experience with like illustrations and the unique uh, language and they decided to do, want to do something similar with Oribi. And uh, I started with like kind of some kind of an African theme of uh, something very basic. I wanted to have the feeling of coming back to something basic and primitive instead of like more tables and numbers and percentages and graphs. Uh, but it, actually, it just didn't work well, and it, we didn't see that it converts better. Um, I have to say that until now, I'm not sure if, it, uh, if the idea was wrong or the way we implemented it. Uh, but we decided just to, to quit it and uh, go with something more traditional and basic. Uh, but I have to admit that I didn't uh, give up on the... Uh, on the dream of uh, creating something new and uh, a more unique brand. And that's something that I, I deal quite a lot with, but I think that like, it didn't work out for a few reasons, but I do think that like really good brands usually, usually have some kind of character and it's not just about the, the logo and the color. So uh, as the CEO of Oribi, what exactly do you do? Do you still have contact with the marketing side, business development, um, product design? Can you share with us a bit? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we had kind of like, we had lots of uh, changes within the companies, within the company. Um, for the same reasons, as I mentioned before, I feel it's like the market should always lead us. And when I first started Ruby, it was very different than my other two companies because over there, since I had like, like less experience and uh, uh, less connections, I had to struggle much more for uh, getting the first uh, funding and build the initial team. And with Ruby, I, I raised money from like day one from really great funds like Sequoia and the TLV partners. And uh, unlike the other companies where I had like uh, a small team of co-founders and like another two or three employees and it grew up <coughs> even Organically. more yeah. yeah so with the ribbit was more about like okay so i have lots of money and uh now it's time to build the team from scratch and i think that was one of my biggest mistakes that i felt i also felt pressure that because i have enough money and we need to move fast then i need to build a, a big team from scratch uh, immediately and we grew up from like just me and a developer uh, to 15 people in about like two or three months. I was always very involved with the product and I was managing the product and the marketing, but they also had people that worked with me. 
And something about this constellation didn't work well. Um, I feel that it was mostly because it wasn't organic. We didn't have like the very core of co-founders and first employees who, who knew the product inside out. And at some point I decided to go back to a smaller team and uh, to stop managing and to come back to do all the marketing and uh, product myself. So right now we're going back to hiring more people after we saw like really great results after we came back to like the, the small team stage and now we do need to scale up and we do need to grow up, but I'm doing it much more carefully. Um, but for the last year, I've been doing all the product myself and um, there is someone great who's working with me on the marketing, but I'm the one that leading the strategy and doing like many of the materials myself. You felt that you made a mistake in the beginning of Oribe and now you, you went back to a smaller, more organic team. Talking about your experience with startup, could it be that the missing thing was DNA? It might be. Yeah, I feel that uh, even if the DNA that I brought was strong, it was probably like one person within a team of 15 is, is not enough. So I can't say like exactly what was the problem, but something didn't work like fast enough. And I really felt that after we came back to a smaller team of like uh, eight people, then things really tried, started to fly, the, the pace, but also the business results. Yeah, I think it's it's not uh, common knowledge that uh, people think that growth translates into getting more results. But sometimes because you need to delegate tasks, especially creative tasks, which is something yeah. that's super hard, like writing good content or creating a good feature, uh, it's something that's hard to delegate and it's it needs to be done uh, right. So how, for the second time, like <laughs> how, are you, how are you assuring that uh, you get it right? One wrong, wrong assumption about CEOs is that they need to manage everything and they need to let go and they don't need to do everything themselves. And they're not sure that it's right because they think that uh, in many cases there is something they, they can probably do much be better than anyone else. And I have to say that like even let's say in five years from now when the team is going to be 200 people, and everything will be amazing. I still see myself as like, at least like half time as uh, hands-on. Because if you mentioned the DNA before, I think it's, uh, it's critical to create the DNA, not just by managing, but by, also by creating. And that's also something that I feel that like, um, like there are some days when I ask myself, why the hell did I start a new company? And why do I need it? And uh, and they feel for me, it's mostly about building stuff and creating. And it's very important for me to do it myself. That's cool. In, in this podcast, I, I, uh, we interviewed several people that had a similar, uh, I think, a similar type of uh, realization, both the founder of ACF, which is a very popular plugin in WordPress, and Larry Kim. Uh, mm -hmm. Both of them were hands-on. And I, I think there's, there's something to it. I think it's a certain kind of entrepreneur like yourself that has this, this creative edge and different way of thinking. But I do want to get into uh, insights that you have from your tool itself. You actually monitor a huge quantity of uh, traffic. Yeah. So how, how much exactly? <laughs> Today we, we monitor close to 100, 100 million user sessions a month. 
So we're able to track exactly what, like, what people do on various websites from like company websites and e-commerce and uh, marketing agencies and uh, blogs and to actually understand the patterns. And they see that uh, while we do see like lots of great posts about conversion optimization, we have a different approach of like understanding what people really do. And uh, how do they work with websites? What makes them convert? What are the average conversion rates? Uh, why do some websites sell much better than others? So I want to get your, your, uh, your guidelines, but first I read uh, something that you wrote about a company blog being something that is uh, either a passe or you need to th- rethink about it. So Yeah, I think that one thing that I, like, that I really like about marketing is that it changes really fast. And I feel that like, my experience from like three or four years ago is, is almost irrelevant. With my previous company, content was like everything. And the company blog was like the, the, the thing that drove us the most leads and uh, it was the heart of the company. But today I feel that since like almost all companies write a blog, they run content, it's such a red ocean today. And it's really, really hard to compete. So let's say that I'm going to write today is the best post ever about how to optimize your uh, website and that's a topic that people are interested in and they want to read about but still they're going to be like probably another like 1000 amazing posts about amazing posts that are already there and they're already ranked high on google and it's super hard to compete so i feel that maybe if you're doing something that is like some kind of a niche product or within a market that there's not no not much content around then you should work on a company blog but i feel today for most industries it's almost impossible to compete i I do feel that there is room for content but it should be more like ebooks or different guides or video guides or even like small applications and other stuff but to write like yet another blog post of like 1000 words about uh, this topic it's super hard to compete with uh, with all the content that is out there. What uh, companies do you look uh, as inspiration? Like, what are you seeing in your field or in general in in uh, the marketing world that are making this kind of difference? I know for myself, I think Drift is 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 a great brand. Yeah, um, yeah I was just going to mention that uh, right now I'm looking into Intercom and Drift, which is very interesting because they're. Think that like both of them are amazing companies and both of them are doing amazing work with uh, with marketing and content, but in a very, very different way. So I think that what I like about Intercom, for example, is that their content is very advanced. So it's not another company blog, but uh, they actually have like hard copies of ebooks and they send it over to people by, by mail, not by email, but by actual yeah. Uh, and I'm Drift sure it does that are... as well. Okay. Yaniv from our team just got a, a, a real book from Drift. <laughs> uh, this, the name is This Doesn't Scale or something like that. Yeah. And, and, and this is amazing because I can't believe that it costs them like more than like 10 or $15 to, to do it. And it has like a huge impact. But uh, also like with Drift, I really like like how advanced they are with, with their bots and uh, how customized the experience that they have on the website. So while we're 
uh, you know, attacking uh, uh, company blogs, let's go for uh, Facebook uh, pages. <laughs> so okay. what do you think about, about that? Because that's another topic that I, I see that it's, it's problematic for, for a lot of uh, small businesses and medium businesses. Yeah. Um, I remember that with my, with my first company, uh, we had a Facebook page and we posted there probably like once a week and we got to over like one million, uh, it was called fans at the time, to one million fans. Every time we posted something new, we got like 4,000 uh, new likes, people entering the link and that was like seven or eight years ago. With a company like Oribi, like let's say from the last like two years, uh, we have a Facebook page, we post good content maybe once a week, and we still have maybe like 1,000 likes, and if you post something there, nobody really sees it. So I think that the changes of like the algorithm of Facebook and that the, the, they don't expose anything that is not sponsored, is just like buried all the, the Facebook pages, and I think it's also the same for Twitter, maybe a bit less, but, but today I feel it like Maybe you should have like a decent Facebook page just in case someone goes there, but don't expect to get any traffic from there. Okay, so we're, we're wrapping things up. Uh, and what other, if, if I'm starting a business right now, starting my website, what are the key guidelines that you would, uh, key tips that you would recommend me that I do in terms of channels and, and the way I, I do it? So I would say that the first thing it probably sounds like very basic, but it's something that we, we see with a lot of our customers that they don't understand well enough, is that you have to understand what is like your primary conversion on, on your website. So you don't want people just to visit your website, you want them to do something. And you need to pick this one thing. I also see like lots of websites where they have like uh, sign up and register to, a blue, to our newsletter and download the ebook and read their new guide. And then people don't do anything. And since something that I really find amazing is that people do have lots of traffic. Even if you take like a small website, for example, with uh, 2,000 visitors a month, that's still a lot. I always tell people, I try to imagine 2,000 people standing in front of you like a huge crowd and how come you're able to convert like only 10 or 20 out of them so stop thinking of like uh, percentages of okay so I have a 2% conversion rate and it's okay and think about all the people that are interested in your product and they they do enter your website with some intent I really feel that like you you should be able to convert like 20 or 30% out of them and they understand why they're there and what do they do and that's also the same about channels. So it's not about getting traffic and it's not about getting them to do something like reading your blog. It's about getting business results. And I feel that today there's like a big uh, disconnection between how people bring traffic and how they measure it. So like, let's say there's lots of websites work on SEO and they have lots of traffic and they're very happy about it, but nobody converts because they bring the wrong people or for the wrong keywords. Yeah. I think that the main, uh, the main thing for me with marketing is like all we, all we uh, measure is uh, signups and installations and we measure all of the channels based on it. So let's say for example, that Instagram is very, works very well for us in terms of like traffic and engagement, but no, hardly no one converts from there. 
And then we decided to understand better how to change the messaging and change the flow and change the funnel. So it's really understanding the entire funnel and optimizing the, all the different efforts from like where to advertise, how much to work on SEO, where to bring traffic from, how to write content based on it. Yeah, I think it's, it's so tempting to see, start seeing results in terms of likes or shares and, and getting psyched about it. But uh, as you say, it's not enough. And uh, this conversion orientation is, is the right approach. So before we wrap up, how can people uh, reach you and start using uh, Oribi? So for Oribi, just enter oribi.io. Uh, there is a free trial of uh, 14 days. You should be able to start seeing results after a few days and to understand your traffic and users and channels much better. And uh, you can reach me at uh, iris at oribi.io. Uh, okay, so thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure and uh, I can't wait to see uh, what else happens. I, I, I love reading your, your articles and they always have a unique perspective and we saw it, uh, we heard it uh, in this podcast as well. Thank you so much. Thank Thanks. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.